Open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. While every Lord's Day is a treasure to us as the people of God, days like today are uniquely important in the life of a church. And on this Celebration Sunday, we join to proclaim God's faithfulness, to announce His great salvation through baptism, and to tell of His wondrous works together. We are gathered in one service, with one heart, and with one primary purpose, to glorify God. That's the reason that we've gathered, that He might be glorified supremely in us. Being and making disciples is the very heart of our church, and was the very heart of our verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the Gospel of Matthew. And as we came to the conclusion of this great book, there's a swelling crescendo as Jesus sends his church into the world to make disciples. And we didn't want to hurry through this because we want to keep thinking biblically about the role of the local church in the mission of God. And so to that end, we've had this five-week campaign entitled For the Mission, where we have sought the Lord for his provision to, uh, to build a building that would serve as a base camp for gospel ministry, while at the same time pleading that he would work powerfully through us to advance the gospel and to fulfill the Great Commission, both in our community and among the nations. The final words found in Matthew 28, 20, the final words of our Lord, have encouraged, motivated, strengthen the church through the ages. And so I pray that they would strengthen us today as we live for the mission. I want to offer three brief exhortations from this verse that create one main truth that I want ringing in our ears today as we think about the mission of God in the world. And here's how I want to build it out. Three points creating one sentence. And here they are. One, Christ has promised... Two, Christ has promised his presence to us. And three, Christ has promised his presence to us always. That's where we're headed. Christ has promised his presence to us always. So I want to invite you to stand once more to your feet for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. A passage very familiar to our ears now but I hope still we would be able to hear it as if for the first time from our hearts. Matthew 28, I'm going to read verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Would you please be seated? So having read the entirety of Jesus' great commission to the church, now we center our thoughts on the words of Jesus, contained just at the end of verse 20. And the first exhortation from our passage, Christ has 
promised. The words that come to mind here are these words, I am with you. Because before we consider the joy found in this promise, let's remember who it is that's given us this pledge. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Every drop of ink in Matthew's gospel is aimed at us understanding the identity of Jesus as he carefully tells the story of Jesus' birth and Jesus' life, Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. And he's writing as an evangelist, wanting us to know and believe in and worship this man, Jesus Christ. And what have we learned about the biblical Jesus in this book? Well, let's just retrace our steps once more. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah promised by God to save his people from their sins, Matthew 1.21. He is the son of Abraham, the son of David, the son of God, and the son of man. He is the shepherd of the sheep, the Lord of the harvest and the Sabbath, the true and better Passover, the new and better temple. He is the king of the kingdom. He's the beloved of the Father, anointed with the Spirit. He is the chosen servant. Jesus has authority over our sickness, over all nature, over the entire spiritual realm. He has the authority to forgive sin. He is full of compassion, the giver of undeserved mercy, generous kindness, abundant provision. He is the one who brings joy. He makes all things new. He's the one who is gentle and lowly and whose heart is filled with compassion for the lost and for the needy. He was betrayed, crucified, dead, and was buried. But we know that's not the rest of the story. He is risen, and he is alive, and he is coming again. And it's this Jesus, the Jesus as seen in the Bible, that now stands face to face with his disciples and says, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. And by claiming to have authority over the heavens and over the earth, don't miss this, he is claiming to be God. This is what makes the claims of Christ so exclusive in a pluralistic world. He alone can save. That's the whole point that Matthew wants us to see. Jesus was and is and forevermore will be God. And as God, he has all authority to send us into all the world and teach all nations all that he has commanded us. And he has sent us in his authority to make disciples who would bow the knee to the Lord's rule now rather than bend the knee to his judgment on the day of his return. What do we do with that? Well, as a church, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We keep him the center of our gaze. This is the first work of a disciple, to know, to follow, to worship Jesus. So may we look to Christ who has all authority. May we build our lives on his word and trust in him till the race is finished and the work is done. Christ has promised. The second exhortation of our text is that Christ has promised his presence to us. And now we're going to start building 
on the foundation of who it is speaking, and this is what he is saying. Matthew finishes the last strokes of this letter, and what he sees is an entire world in need of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's a God-sized task that will take God himself to complete it. You see, ultimately, the mission of the church is the mission of God that he is simply carrying out through his church. And we've got to see that. We've got to see that. The mission of the church is the mission of God that he is simply carrying out through his church. And so here he assures his disciples of his nearness, saying, behold, I am with you. He's with us. The one who is first introduced in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, as God with us, or Emmanuel, has completed his mission on earth. And now with these last words from Jesus, he sends his people on a mission, and he says that he will still be God with us. The sure promise of his presence is the comfort. The sure promise of his presence is the encouragement that the church needs. And so may I remind us this morning the good news that Christ is near. That in our prayerful, dependent, committed work of making disciples, Christ himself has promised his presence to us. And oh, how we need it. As we study these four verbs that animate the church to go, to make disciples, to baptize and teach... We must remember how completely dependent each of them are on the presence of Christ. He is the vine and we are the branches. And we must abide in him if we are to bear fruit. And so take these comforts, saints, and take out your umbrellas if you must. (laughs) Take these comforts. Christ is with us in our mission of making disciples. Because the sure presence of Christ fills our preaching and teaching, ears will open to the truth. Because of the sure presence of Christ, hearts will be born again, and we will see people baptized. Because we believe the sure presence of Christ has in fact sent us, we will go. Because Christ is with us. So what comfort is ours knowing that we have the sure presence of Christ. As we think about the mission that God has called us to, we don't place our confidence in our plans or in any program or earthly wisdom. We place our confidence in Christ alone. And may our confidence not be small in these days. And the final exhortation from Matthew 28:20 is that Christ has promised his presence to us always even to the end of the age. This English word always is an expression found only here in the New Testament, meaning the whole of every day, which means when Jesus promises himself to us, promises his presence to us at the end of the age, it's not just on that day, the day of his return. It's that every moment of every day between now and that day as we live as his people on this earth. These words of Christ were given to men given to disciples who had proven again and again that they would not be perfect in their lives. They would be prone to doubt and fear and self-reliance. And so Christ gives them the strongest bond imaginable as he sees them for the last time. 
He gives them the bond of his word. His word is as sure as good, that he will be with them to the end of the age. How do we know that? Because these words are based on his authority. They are assured by the strength of his power. And the sure promise of his presence is a comfort and encouragement that we will need. Brothers and sisters, God is with us as his people, both now and to the end of the age. Shall the church now faint or fear when the comforter is near? So I've been thinking a lot this week about the return of Christ. One night I was sitting on the couch just thinking about the return of Christ, and uh, one of the girls walks in the living room and sees tears streaming down Dad's face and says, Dad, are you okay? I said, Honey, I'm just great. You look really sad. I'm not sad one bit. I'm thinking about the day that I'm longing for with every fiber of my being, the day that Christ will return. You see, this promise of his presence doesn't come with an expiration date. The promise of his presence is once and for all. So when this age is over, we will enter into the presence of God unhindered by sin. It's not just that his presence will be with us up until his return, but then we'll know the full extent of his presence when we see him not in part but in whole. So brothers and sisters, take courage for this darkness shall break to dawn. Oh, lift your eyes. We're almost home. My prayer is that as we celebrate today all that God is doing in and through the life of our church, that the name of Jesus Christ would be supremely glorified. Let's continue to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ and together renew our commitment in helping one another grow as disciples of Jesus. Let's blaze onward like we've been authorized and commissioned to do so, as if the very presence of Christ is with us in this mission and will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Christ has promised his presence to us always. Let's give thanks to him. Jesus, we look to you, pray to you, knowing that you're the one who holds our lives in your hand, the one who holds the future in your hand. We thank you for the great salvation that you've given to us through your birth, through your life, through your death, and through your glorious resurrection. Let us be a people whose confidence is not small in these days, but whose confidence is fixed in the sure promise of your presence with us, both in this day and to the age to come. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.